G'day, the Bible bloke here. Thanks for joining me. It's great to have you along. Grab your Bibles and let's get stuck in. When we pick up the Bible and turn to the very start, the very beginning, we are met by, confronted with, uh, well, the beginning. It's not just a beginning, but the beginning. Where it all begins. Everything we see. Everything we experience. Every thought. Every emotion. Every relationship starts right here. In the beginning. We aren't used to this idea of beginning as the Bible presents it to us. We're used to something having gone before. Sure, things begin. But there is usually something that exists before that beginning happens. Let me try to put this into some perspective, because I have to be honest, this is an idea I struggle with. It's not that I'm here that is self-evident. I'm speaking to you right now, and it's me who is speaking. I can point to the beginning as the moment of my conception. Yet, in order to know and understand who I am, I need to know my backstory. And when we read the very first verse of the Bible, there is no backstory. But then, are we prepared to accept God as the ultimate backstory? That's a whole question in and of itself, isn't it? Now, our mothers and fathers can share their history, for the most part, and hopefully give us an idea of where we came from, and what our grandparents did, and perhaps our great-grandparents, and what happened to them. The good things, and the not-so-good things. The things of life that work to shape who and where we are. The fact is that there is a something for us to look back on, and that should give us both heart and meaning as well as belonging. We have something to hang our hats and coats on. We know where we came from. It's a place that is not just familiar, but where we have some idea of the backstory. When we open and read the first few words of the book of Genesis, if we are reading them for the first time, that is, there really isn't a whole lot of hooks for us to use. We know there is a beginning. Everything came into being. It seems to us something that is self-evident. Or, if not self-evident, then something we accept as fact. And if we get down to the nitty-gritty of it, an act of faith, after all, I have to take someone else's word for it. And as I have commented on before, this is, in fact, fraught with the danger of whose truth is the right truth. Let's just say that everything had a beginning. But what kind of beginning? I want to give old mate Carl Sagan a Guernsey for a few moments. At the start of his series, and the book of the same title, Cosmos, gives a rather juicy statement. The cosmos is all that is, or ever was, or ever will be. Let that one sink in for a minute. I'll read it to you again. The cosmos is all that is, or ever was, or ever will be. Quickly turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13 and verse 8. We read, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. We know from our reading of Scripture that Jesus is the Son of God. We know from John chapter 1 that Jesus is the Word. And he was there at the beginning. And that through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Chapter 1 verse 3. In other words, Jesus is the person 
plan and purpose of the world, and was not only at the creation, but was also an integral part of Father God's actual creating. This is very much in contradiction with old mate Carl, who seems to have done little more than shuffle God sideways and put this concept of cosmos front and centre, craving it to be a permanent fixture in the hearts and minds of men who respect scientific inquiry. Let me give Carl a bit more airtime. He goes on, Our feeblest contemplations of the cosmos stir us. There is a tingling in the spine, a catch in the voice, a faint sensation as if a distant memory, a falling from a height. We know we are approaching the greatest of mysteries. Surely here, he's not talking about cosmos, he's actually talking about God. The problem is that this idea of cosmos sits firmly in the realm of what God has created. Cosmos is not something that is autonomous, nor indeed a cause in and of itself, at least not in biblical terms. The first known use of the word cosmos is by Pythagoras and referred to the order of the universe. Yes, it's the same word we find in John chapter 1 referring to the world as a place, but also the world as an aggregate of existence, and perhaps of more interest is the term used for the human race that is external to the Jewish people. Here we have the Gentiles, the heathen world, which is external to those who are in and of Christ. They are of the world. Of course, we can take that step toward accepting that what cosmos is and what it represents has always existed, which goes against the idea of the Big Bang Theory from which something, as in everything, came from nothing at all, which stretches not just the credibility but the imagination we go back instead to the steady-state theory of the universe. However, we haven't changed the way we perceive God. God is not welcome. We certain, he certainly isn't given any creds in the creation event. Of course not. People like Carl Sagan want to shift him sideways and don't admit that he even actually exists. The single most important thing, it seems to me, is that we are viewing this from a human perspective, a created being perspective, and we are limited not just in what we can observe, but in what we can understand. That we can see back only so far, and that the very beginning of time and space and matter elude even the greatest of scientific minds highlights this position. We want to know how things began, and yet we can't see the beginning. We never will. We never have. The created cannot see beyond the moment of creation. I exist, I live, I breathe, I enjoy the life I have, but I am not able to see the moment of either my conception or my birth. These events I know happened, but I am not in a position to have knowledge of them. I'm hedging around the elephant in the room. The question makes some uncomfortable. But if we are to move forward, we have to ask it. The question is this. Who or what was before the beginning. When we look at these three basic philosophies or worldviews that are in play here, we end up with different answers. If we hold that the universe, the cosmos, always was and always will be, then we answer the question by saying the question is irrelevant for the cosmos is. If we hold the Big Bang, then we can ask what was before the Big Bang, and the answer, of course, is nothing. And the question is, 
spattered aside as irrelevant, or if we enter into the idea that the Big Bang is just another beginning of an infinite series of beginnings, then that will eventually happen uh, as a collapse of all things back into a very tiny speck in a boundless sea of absolute nothingness, and it all starts all over again, and sorry but that does my head in, an endless cycle that really is without meaning, and for me completely unsatisfying. When I was a lot younger, I spent a lot of time out under skies with my telescope. The wonders of that part of the universe I could see were breathtaking. From photographs taken with much bigger telescopes, I could marvel at the sheer majesty of the stars. Always in the back of my mind was this question, what does it mean? If it has no meaning, then why bother? If there is no reason for it, then it really is a whopping great waste of space. And yet, there had to be something else going on. My heart told me that even if my head didn't, my head was full of Big Bang science, my head was redshift and quasars. In these terms, space was a very empty, very cold and very heartless place. I was star stuff, and would return to star stuff. And who cared a shriveled photon about the star stuff I was made of? I mean, it didn't keep me awake at night, but the realisation that I was alone on an endless ocean of total meaningless nothing, well, it didn't quite sit right, and it still doesn't. We spend a lot of time and money searching for E.T. SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, started in earnest back in 1984, although in one form or another it has existed since about 1959, early 1960. In over 60 years of searching, we have found absolutely zip. Back in the day, I loaded up the app, a bit of software back in those days, and let the SETI guys use my computer to crunch the data they had gathered in their endless scan of the skies. They were looking for that one fateful signal that told us we were not alone. Every week I dutifully looked at the results of all that data crunching, and there were a lot, and I met a lot of people around the world were in on this venture, and every week I was disappointed to find that they had found a big, round, fat nothing. Space was indeed vast, and it was very, very empty. But, and here is the crunch, in this kind of space, this star stuff world, I was, according to the prevailing idea of beginnings, totally and utterly alone. I had a problem with that. The more I thought about it, the more E.T. meant more than I did. A single-celled organism on Mars was way more important to these scientists than a starving child in Africa. I don't want to be unkind, as I can't see what is on these people's hearts, but what I can see is the cumulative effect of the theories they expound, and that is the removal of God from the beginning of things. And this is the bit that has always confused me. When you remove God from the centre of all things created, you may remove God from the beginning of all things created and the meaning of all things created. If I deny God's involvement in the creation event, I deny that God has involvement in anything, and I am free to deny that there is any such thing as absolute truth. I deny that there is any such thing as a moral law, nor indeed a moral lawgiver. I am free floating. I am a moat of star stuff, and I can interact with other moats of star stuff how and when I want to. It's all about my wants and needs and pleasures. Does that feel right to you? I ne it never felt right to me. 
For some strange reason, I care about the people in my life. Why is that? I think I can give you a pretty simple answer to that question. Because God cares about me. Hang on a sec. That would mean that there was a reason. That would mean there was a cause. That would mean that I wasn't star-stuffed, but rather a child of God who loved enough to create. Wow. And that's where we come up against the ultimate question. That's the question I can't answer for you. It's the question you have to answer for yourself. Is there a God? And did he create? At the end of the day, how you feel about yourself is dependent on how you view your beginnings. I'll say that again. At the end of the day, how you feel about yourself is dependent on how you view your beginnings. When we look at the opening verse of the Bible, we have a world-making declarative statement. In the beginning, God created. God wants us to know that he brought all things into existence, that he brought us into existence. We can know this only because God wants us to know it. Think about that for a moment. God chose to reveal himself to us through his amazing creation. Let's look at Romans 1, verse 19 and 20. Let me also say and read, The Lord reigns, and he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength in his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Scripture is chock full of God's revelation. Look at Psalm 19. The heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanses declaring the work of his hands. Let's look at the cruncher, as I said, from Romans 1, 19 to 20. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively, for God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Yes, yours and mine. We know that God is there and real, regardless of how hard we try to deny him. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance, because from the creation of the world, the visible qualities of God's nature have made, been made visible. Such is his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived, for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. Is God real or not? At the end of our line of questioning, we come to that. God is or God isn't. What our lives mean depends on how we answer that question. How we view scripture depends on how we give ultimate authority and who we give it to. God is absolute or he isn't. Friends, until we meet again, I pray that you are blessed by deeper wisdom as you open and read God's word.